Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Ad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Greasters. I hope you're having an okay week wherever you are listening. So I know I've been talking about it a little bit. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I will be mentioning it. That's so I sort of have to mention it. Apologies for being so English about it all. Um, but I've written a book. It's called You Are Not Alone. It's based on the podcast and it is available for pre-order. If you've been enjoying the show, if you've ever enjoyed the show in the times you, the, that I've been doing it and you think you, you like reading about grief... I think you'd like this book. Um, so if you head to the Twitter at the Griefcast or Instagram at the Griefcast, you can find the link and I will be uh, tweeting about it and social media about it all over the place. And pre-orders are very important to authors. They really do help. So um, if you would like to do that, I'd be very grateful. Thank you so much. This week, I'm talking to the brilliant, the incredible, the absolutely fucking fantastic it is Ishani Perapanayagam she is a multi-genre chamber musician an orchestral pianist and music director uh, she's performed at venues like the Wigmore Hall the London Palladium she's also worked on the incredible um, she was a music director for the Triple Olivier winning uh, Amelia at the Vaudeville Theatre and Olivia nominated Goat at the Ramba Dance Company uh, I know her through working in improv she is a brilliant brilliant improv musician and pianist there's not a lot of them guys so the ones that are brilliant we hold to on to very tightly she works with showstopper the improvised musical but she also improvises with the comedy store players who i regularly improvise guest improvise with um so i've known ishani for a long time which i think you can hear reflected in this episode um because we're just having a really great chat about grief and i actually didn't know a lot of her story and i was yeah just staggered really that what she's been through and and how it sounds like a stupid thing to say, but like how beautifully she's coped with it and, and just what an incredible human she is. Uh, Ashani lost her mum 
when she was 19 and her dad when she was 20, just a year apart. And um, this was about 20 years ago, so I guess we're both talking a lot about, you know, grief being a long time ago. And yeah, I just really love this conversation. It's just genuinely a conversation between two friends about grief, and I hope you enjoy it. So Ishani, who are we remembering today? We are remembering my mum and my dad, who uh, passed away a year apart back in 2003 and 2004. Oh, wow. So it's not that long ago. How many years are you now? Well, it'll be 20 for my mum next year. Oh, that is me doing like, it's only 2006. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because time stopped then, right? Yeah, and I'm like, as I said it, I thought, carry on, it's 2022. Hang on a minute. That's how bad my maths is. Oh my God, I have, yeah. Okay, so actually you are coming up to 20. Wow. Yeah, that is that is long then. Sorry, because that is I consider the twenty as I pass the twenty. I think twenty is a big, a big old okay. number. Um, what were their names? Let's get that first of all. So my mum, her full name was Kantharani Nirmala, but she always went as Nim. She wasn't a big fan of her names, so she always went as Nim. Nim's lovely. Uh, and my dad was Sandy True Vijayasingham Parampanigam, uh, and he always went as Sandy. Uh, well, Sandy, there's a complicated family tradition of who knows who by what name. Oh, right. But yeah. his sort of the world name was Sandy. Nim and Sandy family. is lovely. They sound delightful. I think so. <laughs> I think they were. <laughs> and what you were just about to say, what, does, what do those names mean? So uh, I confess I had to look some of these up and ask because either I didn't remember or I didn't know. Um, so Sandy is short for Alexander, which is defender of men. Then his middle name, True, is strong. Oh. Uh, Singham is, uh, I asked a, a fellow South Asian person, Victorious Lion. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a str- is... strong. That name is yeah. strong. Uh, and he loved to, uh, I think, mostly as a child, but it didn't ever go away. So family used to call him by a shortened form of Vijay Singham. So if you take the initials S and T and then Vijay, you get Saint Vijay. Oh. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of permutations of that strong name wow. are possible. That's amazing. Yeah, and my mother's name, Kartharani, means queen of achievement. Oh, my God. Uh, and Nirmala means clean and pure. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, you know, like old English names it's like oh strong sword or cloudy or you know but like I don't think we have a name where it's like queen of achievement (laughs) I feel like that is I want to you know I think that's a good one I want a version of that in yeah English language because that's amazing yeah so and who who died first who passed away first my mum died first in 2003 Um, yes so she died September 2003 of late diagnosed cancer essentially and my father died almost exactly a year later of a heart attack slash broken heart. Oh, Shani. Oh, my goodness. That is oh, that is really rough. That is really, really rough. It is really rough. Um, and the more... The older I get, the more rough I realise it is. Yeah. So I was, um, I was 19 at the time. Oh, blimey. Which now I understand that reaction. Yeah, but at yeah. the time, I was very much sort of straight in my collar going what's why are all the bigger grown-ups uh fussing yeah. when I'm a grown-up too it's just what happens to grown-ups yeah. their parents die and mine just happened a bit sooner than everyone else and now I see 
19 year olds and I see what they saw yeah they saw the baby still standing there. yeah yeah I I completely relate to that because I was 15 and I remember thinking well you know I'm not an adult but I'm not a not a child like I'm 15 guys I've been around you know I've lived and it it wasn't till I really I remember getting sort of past 30 and then meeting another you know coming across a 15 year old and talking to them and being like oh this is a baby this is an absolute baby that thinks they're a grown-up but yeah 19 you're not you're not you know how can you be haven't lived long enough (laughs) no and I think what I haven't really realized is I think while I was technically, I think, I mean, 15 is teeny-weeny. Um, There's only four years is, difference. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose, so it was right at the end of, so it was in the last term of my first year, everything started to turn. Right. And I guess your first year, if you go to university, is the beginning of your adult life. Yes, yeah, So yeah. I didn't have, so something that um, my sister would say to me is that, she remembers how it was before yeah so she had a pre-death adult life and is living her post one whereas for me my grown-up self is defined by death yeah 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 Uh, yeah (laughs) I completely relate to that because it's just that's when the shit hit the fan I suppose (laughs) it's like when you were still becoming a person so it's like you then had to become a person completely through the lens of oh people die and this is what happens and there's no kind of like, well, hey, I'm just going to live and be free. Like, who knows? You're like, yeah. oh, I know. I know. I know what happens. Yeah, I was definitely doing stuff in my first year that was all all kinds of ill-advised yeah. within being a good girl. But I was definitely, like, I was fundamentally just quite square in lots of ways. Not a doing drugs kind of person, but just sort of going out and getting drunk. But a thing I used to do a lot was... Um, go out at night into the middle of London and just walk. Whoa. Which, yeah, well, quite, (laughs) which is when you're 18, I didn't, I didn't understand consequences because I'd been lucky enough up till then. Yeah, yeah. Um, And obviously when people started dying, all of that, um, just total naive exploring of the world without understanding how things can play out, all of that just evaporated. And it's so sad because... You should be allowed to go out and walk around London in the middle of night at 19 and 18. Like, that's yeah. so cool. That's such a cool, brilliant thing to do and, and wonderful. Why shouldn't you do that? But, like, plus we both grew up in London, so I'm immediately like, Ashani, yes. <laughs> London's not safe. <laughs> but also the fact that, you know, many people would have done that and then got to 27 or something and been like, oh, God, can't believe I used to do that. But the fact that you had to learn that lesson so fast and so hard and so quickly that's what sucks doesn't it there's like you didn't get to learn it yourself it kind of gets like smashed in your face so did your mum get very sick when you were at university is that what happened well no it was well so my mother she used to be teeny teeny tiny I come from a family of uh, essentially teeny weeny Asians you know <laughs> the type but just like no excess anywhere just way that made of paper yeah. uh, so she was one of those and she just started to put on weight seemingly and it had been the first time where taking the how many sugars three and a half sugars out of her coffee hadn't fixed it wow uh, so I think she'd just gone oh you know old age comes yeah, this is yeah. my shape now and I think there was probably a gap where she just wasn't telling us. Uh, I remember yeah. really clearly coming back from from my college halls one holiday 
and us carrying my keyboard up the stairs and she was really strong just because you know in that way that I mean you're probably growing new muscles yourself <laughs> of just just by doing stuff yeah, uh, yeah. as my mother and she I remember her getting to the top of the stairs and then going and sitting on a bed and having to pant for a while yeah. and I remember thinking that's weird and she put down all of these things and her lack of appetite to just getting older oh. and then there was a point where I think she knew something was wrong she yeah. got a scan and then I think it well it came back with this I think she had this was it a 17 centimeter cyst <gasps> Whoa. So either it's either thirteen or seventeen. It was I think it was seventeen. It was enormous, but because she was so tiny, it just looked like she had sort of uh, just this mummy shape. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then in, in a few days, she was struggling to breathe. So it seemed to escalate from our point of view really quickly. Oh gosh, yeah. My parents were both doctors as well, so I think she immediately knew. I don't know if she thought game over, yeah. but she may well have done. I think she knew. It wasn't good. So she was in hospital in a few days, operated on a couple of days, which all went well, but it was already in her lungs. So then she was in a coma for about six weeks. Oh. So it was sort of quick in a, in a way. Yeah, From yeah, our experience, yeah. but I'm really not sure actually how that story played. It's hard, isn't it? Especially with stuff that's a long time ago to kind of like collaborate the memories of things and give them a timeline. Because you're right, like I'm sure to you at 19... Of like, oh, everything's fine. Oh, my mum, oh, suddenly there's a scan. Suddenly we're in hospital. Like, that's really fast. But yeah, like, the the small things that may have built up to that moment, you just, you never know, do you? And you can't ask, like, so, yeah. No. I know that feeling of, like, my mum said that about my dad because he was diagnosed in February. And I asked her, like, was there anything? And she was like, the only thing she remembers is he, he used to run, like, marathons and triathlons. She said the only thing she remembers is like in the September before he ran a marathon or he ran like it wasn't a marathon, sorry, like some running event wasn't as far as that. And he said, oh, that was hard. That felt a bit hard. Mm. Like, and she was like, oh, he was like, yeah, I just couldn't like couldn't get my run up. Like, and his time was slow. But they just put it down to like, oh, he hadn't really been training very well that time because he like would go in and out of training. And, you know, she said you just put it down to things. Don't you like, oh, yeah, it's probably that. And then that was it like and obviously you look back and you try and find moments but it's quite hard isn't it when you know I guess if she, you know she was a doctor she was busy and she had kids like <laughs> there's lots of reasons where you go oh well, well I'm sure it is old age I'm sure it's this I'm sure it's that so she was in the coma for six weeks after the yeah. operation oh god that must have been very terrifying you know what no oh, because okay. I was little and I didn't understand yet yeah 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 yeah, it was. I just remember going to hospital. I remember it being the summer, and I remember being cold all the time. I wow. remember my sister and I spending all our time in our winter coats. I like. I have this picture of us standing <laughs> in the sun in winter coats. So logically, I know that it must have been really hard and scary because yeah. something was going on. I remember being excited by the alcohol rub which obviously now is loads less exciting <laughs> um I was interested in the science my f- I remember cooking curry for my family um I remember talking to my mother I mean at the time it felt like every day was the same yeah yeah and now it just feels like a flurry so uh, I'm privileged enough to get to go to therapy one of the reasons why I packed myself off to therapy 
and I should have told you this before coming on the programme, is that I realised I couldn't remember the year between my mother dying and my father dying. So common, the blank out. Yes, very, very common. And especially for you to have two huge, significant losses, one after the other. Like, I'm not surprised. (laughs) Like, I am not surprised your brain went, nah, we're all right, actually. We're just going to just... don't need any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course, of course. And I think... The hospital stuff is weird as well because you're going to the same place every day. Nothing really changes. Mm. And so it it becomes hard to form memories in that place because it's like, well, they're in the same bed. They're in the same room. The same beeping is happening. Like your brain is like, this is pretty similar to yesterday. And they might deteriorate or get, you know, there's small ups and downs. But it is, I felt like that for like when he went into hospital. Like I can't tell you how long he was there, what days happened. I can tell you the day he died, like that's there. Mm. But everything else before that is like, I remember being when he was in the ward and then I remember him getting moved because that was like something that happened. <laughs> they moved him yeah. into a room and I was like, oh, well, this is different. But apart from that, yeah, it's just a blur of just hospital. Yeah, I remember bits and pieces of before mum went into a coma when she was sort of lucid and it was... um. It was her who said, she called it at the beginning of the day, I think, saying, by the end of this day, I'm going to need to be on a ventilator. Oh, my God. Uh, And I think everyone was a bit like, including doctors were a bit like, I think you'll be fine. Uh, And then, yeah, she definitely called it. So she definitely had a very clear idea of what was going on. But then after that, I mean, I suppose that's quite an interesting thing in that I think probably I looked to my mother in general quite a lot for truth yeah and how things are and so actually I think I could hear her and what she was saying and I could hear her when she was saying when I could feel from her that this wasn't good really early on in that process and I think when she went I lost that grounding in my life yeah of course did she come out of the coma or she passed away in the coma no, she didn't. Yeah. Um, she did this amazing thing. So part of what was really cool and part of why I smiled when you said uh, Nim and Sandy, that sounds, they sound delightful, is how much they loved each other. Yeah. And this thing which my sister and I were almost offended by where we'd come <laughs> in and uh, we'd give her a kiss and say hello. And my dad would come in and give her a kiss and the little heart monitor would skip. <laughs> Like every time. Oh my god, you're joking! Yeah, Shani. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh my god! And we'd be standing there going, "We or babies? Come on now!" <laughs> no, nothing. Her heart would skip a beat. Still, I mean, that It'd is go, like romance yeah. novel territory. Oh my god! If you read that in a book, you'd be like, "Oh please, come on!" That did not happen. Yeah, oh. everything would go. You know, uh, all the question marks that come up on those screens. Yeah, like yeah. it would just go all go question marks for a minute and then come back. Oh. Oh, Nim and Sandy. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. So were you with her when she passed away? Were you, was it the family there? Yeah, so this is, this is messy. I suppose I'll, yeah, I'll tell it from my point of view because it's me that's here. That day, I think, so there were really strict rules in the hospital about how many people could be in the room. And it was only ever two people at a time. And, uh, and there were strict kind of kicking out hours. And this day, actually thinking about it, this is a day when I heard, I heard what was being said. The nurse said, you don't have to go home, you can all stay. Wow. And my dad said, no, no, it's fine, we'll come back in the morning. 
uh, and there was sort of like a backwards and forwarding and then in the end we got driven home and then uh yeah at the time I was not holy holy but holy enough uh and I we got home got into bed I prayed that if mum wasn't going to get better that she get taken now and then within about 15 minutes we got a phone call saying come back to the hospital and we went back we did but we were all allowed in obviously we all greeted my mum and I can remember this picture as I'm sure you can remember yours um I my sister was by my mum I was sitting by her hand and my dad was sitting in the corner. I think by this point he knew. And uh, nobody tells you because of TV what happens when I someone know, dies. I know. We all, I'm, I'm constantly getting emails about like, why doesn't anyone tell you? Like, it is not discussed. It's not discussed no. how it is, does not look like the films. No, it doesn't. And so, so when it happened... Because uh, I'd involved myself in quite a lot of the sciencey stuff and how things worked. When I saw all the numbers vanish off the screen wow. and turn into question marks, I was just fiddling with all the things that oh. were. And then they switched off the screen and they said, "Don't worry about that. You concentrate on your mother." And it just took me a while to work out. Whereas, yeah, my father would have known. Yeah, but he was, um, I suppose. And it's, this is said with the greatest love, sort of, I guess, his imploding yeah, began. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. And so I, I think he was in his own yeah. thing. And when you're a teenager, I think you've grown up slightly with that like idea of, like, doctors fix things, the machine that's on them will fix this, and, oh, it will do, somebody will do something, and that, because no one's ever explained to you, no, like, at the end, nothing happens, they just die. And you're like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> And I remember yeah. all his machines got t- taken away because he had cancer. So it was, um, I don't know, actually, I guess, yeah, he wasn't in a coma. It was like, okay, this is, you know, we all know what's happening. So they took all the machines away and he was just kind of left in the room and then we were like allowed in. But it was very much, I remember my brother asking like, well, when are they going to, you know, come and do this? I think my mum being like, they're not going to. And me and him being like, oh. but what? does that why <laughs> and then none of us ask because we were like we don't want to know obviously so it's that weird you know that weird hinterland aren't you where you want to know but you're also like your brain just can't see it I completely understand looking to the machines like I'll oh, just turn it back on <laughs> I can fix it like I, somehow I have a say in this matter and you don't and that's so hard that's so hard yeah that's very difficult Ishani yeah but then I think a thing that was nicest so the wrong word yeah. uh, with all the wires and everything gone my sister and I just climbed on top of her oh. and lay there for as long as we were allowed and that was whatever the right version of amazing yeah. is yeah yeah I know we need another language for it don't we like another set of words mm. for what that feeling is because yeah I mean I guess it's amazing in a way that you you could do that, that you knew to do that, that you let yourself do that because so many people, you know, get embarrassed or get worried or don't don't want to express it that way and that you had a family situation where people weren't like, no, don't, no, just sit here quietly and leave the room. That Everyone was like, yeah, get, get on the bed. That's what we're doing. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to hug this woman until someone says we have to stop. That's beautiful. Yeah. I've remembered another uh, heartbreaking detail if you'd like one. <laughs> sure, sure, Shani. <laughs> Um, so, uh, my mother was afraid of being 
she was claustrophobic oh. and was afraid of being buried alive. So uh, she'd made my father promise to check that she was dead. So I think before we climbed onto her, he'd brought his stethoscope oh. and checked her heart. And then, yeah. So I can't, um, I cannot imagine how that felt. And I had, I mean, so much of my rage looking back was directed at him. Yeah. But the further away I get from it, I can't imagine how any of those things felt for him. No, no. And how difficult it must have been to even try and express how he was feeling, you know. Like, and complicated by the whole doctor aspect. Doctor, man of his generation. Yes, like, yes, yeah. You know, it doesn't excuse, it doesn't mean you can't have the rage. <laughs> like, you're allowed the rage, but they're allowed their own context as well. And I think, like, what you're describing only comes through time. Like, I got the rage I had for my dad, and he was the one who died, but I was so furious with him <laughs> for so long. I was so angry. Mm. And then it took a lot of years to be like, oh, I see why maybe that was really hard. And you just... You couldn't, you couldn't talk to me about what was happening. So you didn't, which I always took as like, how dare you? Rather than like, oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm really sorry Mm. you couldn't do that. Um, So what happened with your, that missing year, inverted commas? (laughs) This should be a really quick segment. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? But with with your therapist, were you able through therapy to like, sort of walk back and find it? Or did it remain a blank? Because a year is quite a long time to have a blank on it is um so we're getting there slowly um i think basically i haven't got to the point that you've just described of being angry i've been angry with my father i haven't managed to get there with my mother yeah and there's a part of my soul going no but it's just because she was just so wonderful and perfect (laughs) (laughs) oh that old chestnut that old chestnut because one of them has to be awful and one has to be perfect and then when you have to decide when you have to go oh they were both flawed you're like no but that makes everything fall apart (laughs) I've decided (laughs) one of them was awful one of them was brilliant and that's how it worked and yeah it's it's yeah that's really tough so I do remember some stuff um there were boy things sure, going course. on yeah yeah which um also kind of so we ended up starting to go out between parent deaths okay, so he was okay. a friend that became a boyfriend and he was a delight just a, a wonderful if very troubled man and i think part of that yeah yeah turbulence Um, got caught up with death turbulence so I can remember snapshots of us in that really tense like what is this kind of situation um all mixed in with yeah uh dealing with affidavits and all of those things so it is kind of there but it's a real jumble of just distress um and practice actually I've got the odd memory of uh, my housemates were yeah, yeah. wonderful if, now again, looking back, just really young, <laughs> um, I'd get sort of a hand appear around my door with a cup of tea or um, yeah. yeah, just hugs and love, but no idea of how to deal with it. And I think, I mean, my my piano teacher couldn't really 
yeah. understand because he was also quite a lot yeah, older. Yeah, I think yeah, he yeah. really saw how little I was. I think he was just impressed that I was still standing. So in a way, in a way, I didn't have any structure to that year because yeah, people were just leaving me to exist and do what I needed. So it makes it harder to remember. I think if I'd been shouted at by anybody yeah yeah it might have just been a pillar of an event rather than this this sea of nothingness and you're in shock as well aren't you like you're so in shock that first year I think especially you know lots of people are in shock but it's compounded when it seems like a very quick diagnosis and you're a teenager like because your whole world is like this wasn't supposed to happen to me like I'm you know and even I did the same I was like well you know I used to joke about this on the show all the time you know everyone goes to the club I just got there early and I used to say that all the time like well everyone's parents are gonna die just you know might have died before yours but inwardly you're like ah what just happened <laughs> but outwardly you're like oh you know no big deal the parent died you know well what are you gonna do <laughs> because how do you even express the the absolute whirlwind tornado that's going in like in going on inside I found like I just I didn't have any like words if someone said how are you I was like I literally there's just screaming so of course I'd make a joke and be like yeah fine because I was like oh, I don't know how to tell you yeah and I think there was a, a shock for us all because um in terms of health um my mum had been robust <sighs> yeah really up to yeah. that point or so we know of I mean who knows what she wasn't telling us um but yeah we never in a million years with kind of health scares that had happened with my father would have believed it was in that yeah, order yeah. and my dad was the one who would make death jokes my mum would be all like very very much this isn't remotely yeah. funny you need to stop doing that because it's a little bit close to the truth and then I don't think anyone had pictured that this would be the way it it's played so out it's so hard isn't it and it, it's it's just a narrative we tell ourselves and of course we do like you know I understand, like, my dad was really fit and healthy, like, which always really upsets people when you tell them that. You're like, no, he's really fit, really, like, run, running marathons, running triathlons, training for an Ironman, like, and I think you can't help but, because we simplify everything to narratives and because there's so much stuff of, like, oh, if you are overweight, you may get a heart attack. So we're like, okay. So I'd look at my parents and be like, okay, well, he's not, and he runs, so he's fine. Like, you just tick it off in your head, like, do I need to worry about that? No, they seem fine. Do they smoke? No, okay, I'm, I'm not worrying. And actually life is just not as simple as that, you know, but it's the narrative that you've told yourself to, you know, release a worry, which of course if you do, there's nothing wrong with it. But then when the narrative is something different, it's really hard for those two stories to kind of coexist because you're like, but no, <laughs> that's not what. Uh, and I think that also adds into the shock and the the blacking out of your memories because you're just like, I can't, your brain is trying to process what just happened. Yeah, and it's just, I guess it's a whole different track to yeah. uh, other people who are burdened with that sort of longer story. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess it's just a very different experience yeah. of seeing it coming, seeing it coming, it came. Yeah, yeah. And I, again, as we say on the show, like nothing, no one story is easier. Oh, <laughs> it's God, just no. different. It's just different. And I think you just, you know, you can, if you know you're in pain, if you're watching someone in pain and you're in pain, and if you don't know, you just end up, with shock which it's delayed pain really there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Adloyd. So you went back, to, your mum passed away in the summer then, is that what, the timeline? September. September, then you had to go start uni? Yeah, so I started oh. my second year. God, bloody hell. Well, um, as, I, as we've said, I didn't know yeah. any different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dead parent, I'll get on with it then. <laughs> yeah. everyone sort of stared at me. <laughs> yeah, how was your summer? Uh, you don't want me to go into it. <laughs> um, so what happened with your dad? Did you, Was that completely out of the blue, sudden situation? No, he was really sad. Yeah, God bless him. Um, and a very intense man, the... the bit of me that um I call the storm cloud <laughs> which I think probably most people I know have seen in my face at some point <laughs> uh that's the parent panigam side um, I've and, definitely uh, seen I've seen it very briefly and only a glimpse but yeah I, I definitely <laughs> think oh okay she's she's serious everybody stop mucking around <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really useful as a music director um yeah so he really sort of that energy became, it looked like almost like a whirlwind around him. Oh, um, God. And he, I don't think he wanted to continue existing. Yeah. Um, so he had had a heart attack when I was three. Oh, wow. Because he's, I think similarly through, I, I think he was a smoker, well, he was a smoker. Yeah. But he was um, just really intense and held stress inside yeah. him. And I think he almost just pointed it feel it felt like he pointed that inwards yeah so he started smoking again which there was a there's a a horrible little encounter where I was going somewhere and I saw him on one of his walks he always used to have do have walks anyway just to clear his head massive introvert big performer massive introvert (laughs) um and I saw him smoking and my father, he was a proper jack of all trades. He did this amazing, like, palm of the cigarette. Like, it just sort of vanished. Oh, wow, well, he did the old in the in the palm thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really hard to do because it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. I used to try and uh, do that when I smoked and it, it oh, was difficult. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It hurts uh, your, it hurts your palm. <laughs> like, you have to do it at a certain <laughs> angle. It's difficult. Oh, uh, yeah. No, he was... Uh, I'd already seen him, though, but I... Uh, I remember I sort of I collapsed in the middle of the road and just wept. Yeah. And then I got up at some point and walked off and he left me to it. Uh, and I remember going home and saying, it's fine. Uh, if I start grieving you now by the time you're dead, uh, I'll be ready. Oh, God. And so I don't know what some bit of me inside knew. Yeah. But it, yeah, it definitely felt like there was implosion going on I mean he did wonderfully went back to work he he learned how to uh cook properly for himself because uh, he hadn't been doing that yeah. particularly because mum was very happy to do that and I think he was very loved and was sort of getting back to all those things but I don't think he 
could imagine his world without her. I don't think yeah. he had. I think he was probably had the hardest version of what we were all going through of. Yeah. I think he just thought he wouldn't ever have to grieve any of us. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so painful. It's so... it. It's tragic in the true sense, you know, that it's just like, it's really sad that everyone thought he would go, he had health problems and he, yeah, of course, it never encountered his brain that he would have to have that life. Yeah, and he was really, uh, the thing he would comfort himself with is that uh, he'd, I think when he was uh, young and sort of beautifully arrogant and so my uh, father started off a surgeon and my mum an anaesthetist oh, and wow. he would proudly say they met over a dead body <laughs> uh, so when he was young and sort of uh, full of superman when my mother asked him to promise that he wouldn't die first he agreed uh, and he spent years trying to take it back wow. of like just following her around <laughs> being like you know look we need to talk about this because uh, and she wouldn't have it and oh. I think in a weird way once he'd fulfilled that promise, yeah, something, some little countdown timer happened. Um, so he was just at work one day, and as the story goes, um, he was seeing a patient, and he just said, excuse me, one moment, and just slumped over. Whoa. So from, an, from two absent daughters' point of view, what was amazing was that he was in a doctor surgery, so this patient yeah. had the initiative to just go and relentlessly bang on another, another partner's door. Yeah. So he had medical attention on him Straight away, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it played out how it played out with it not helping. But, you know, it could have been coming home to check on him, to find yeah, him dead. Yeah. It could have been all those things. So in terms of being able to, we're really lucky not to have, we should have yeah, in there. yeah. It was incredibly fortuitous in that as much as death can be. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> you're not saying you're glad it happened, but like there are obviously things that you're like, well, that that could have been worse yeah. in, in the circumstances. I mean, how, it's a stupid question, but how was that moment when you get that phone call and you're like, fuck, a year later, like I am now parentless, like your world, your world must have imploded. Well, so <laughs> this is this is. Or a, you paused the implosion. I don't know what. The... <laughs> well, this is a good story. Talking of sort of so much of my parents' story, as much as I love them, could be part of a badly written film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's so just on the nose. It seemed like a free choice at the time. Uh, in my second year, after my mother had died, I decided to apply for a year abroad. Right. Uh, so I ended up in Prague. Okay. Uh, I'm sure everyone was like, sure, sure, run away. I'm doing it for the Bohemian experience. Uh, And after a week of being there, so I had a phone call with my dad and having had, had, we'd had a rough year. We'd both said we loved each other and he'd mentioned a particular friend and said, oh, he is very similar to me. I'm sure he'll look after you. Uh, and then I got a phone call the next day. So it's one of those weird occurrences where at a particular time of day, I just couldn't think or couldn't practice. Yeah. And I'd gone out for a walk and I got a phone call from one of my father's partners to say wow. that he died while I was standing in the middle of Charles Square. Wow. So more falling to my knees and weeping. Oh, my God. In the God. middle of this 
massive Prague place. Yeah, and then ensued a ridiculous uh, trying to get home in Czech with signing. Oh, my God. Like, miming. um, (laughs) You people listening won't be able to see, but I had to do a lot of my father and then sort of, like, noose signal, (laughs) like, dead, and just having the person over uh, the counter go, Yes. Like, oh, I don't, I don't think you've got that. It hasn't um, landed. It hasn't landed, no. has it? Um, oh, my God, so, Ishani. If that was in def- a film, you would think, bit much. Bit much. <laughs> she was in Charles Square, surrounded by Gothic architecture. It was a bit much, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was a bit much. She would have been at home. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was. So, I mean, in a sense, it definitely landed for that moment. Um, yeah. But I think something, something there changed I think when it was parent number two yeah because the number of times like I've cried since then are way too few wow I think two parents is a really especially in such close succession Ishani like my husband lost his dad then his mum and my mum lost her parents very quickly within two weeks of each other for similar broken heart kind of my granny was like nope I'm done and um and she sort of gave this advice to him at the time where she was like, you know, you really, it's a different world you're in now. Like, you know, when both are gone, it's, yeah, you're at yeah. sea by yourself and it's different. Everything is really different. And that's, it's really hard, especially, so you would have been just 20. Like, oh God, that is like, I want to race back in time to baby Ashani. <laughs> like, it's going to be okay, but it's going to be really hard at the same time. Like, that's so... There's so much to deal with. It's a lot. Um, and I remember... I remember it being a big thing to get my head around that I was just the top and bottom of my family tree. Oh, yeah. Um, but I also... I mean, I can't imagine what it was like for my big sister. Yeah. Being like, oh, my God. I've got a 20-year-old music student of all things <laughs> on my hands. Straight reliable. Yep, great. She's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, so I think as much as I felt top of my family tree, I can't imagine what it felt like for her. Yeah. And did you guys have to kind of suddenly organise everything and become, you know, the grown-ups? Yes. Um, yeah. I think uh, she did lots of the overseeing. So she's... 11 years older than me. Oh, okay. Wow, wow, wow. So there are photos of her looking like kind of a proper stable child kind of holding (laughs) up my head. Um, (laughs) So there was a bit of that dynamic going on. But yeah, we had to organise everything and the house needed sorting. Um, Just all, I mean, just so much paper. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose also, (sighs) I'm not trying to, sort of think, think of reasons why it was actually fine for me because uh, it wasn't um, but I think there's something about being part of an institution as well so I had a piano teacher who was mine it wasn't quite like being in a big old university where I was yeah. kind of everybody's and nobody's there yeah. was one person who I, th- I think in my absence he started writing off to places to get me just bereavement funding oh, wow. it's not called wow. that um yeah, so he was doing those things and he was really watching and checking I was okay. And then Royal College of Music is small, so I think people knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my family, even though they're not in this country, 
uh, mostly um, were very in touch yeah. um, and various uh, <clears throat> siblings of my father in particular came to visit and check on us and put curry in the freezer oh. and also um, we have uh, a family that I call my Christmas family but uh, since before I was born I see every Christmas and my Christmas mum <laughs> was just amazing and I suppose you don't know until it happens yeah what people are made of and obviously yeah. there are there are all kinds of people who uh put themselves in the bin which is a shame they're not all the people I expected um, <laughs> put themselves then... in the bin is an amazing way to describe it <laughs> oh you seem to put yourself in my bin oh dear that's a shame for you that's amazing Charlie. <laughs> yeah I mean it really does sort out who you want to spend yeah time with and trust on yeah and the ones that show up become like diamonds you know they become so precious and the ones that just can't do it or shit you're like you know at the time it hurts but they sort of fade away but those ones that stay are so strong and so stable and so like you know amazing yeah but I would also add to that there are some people who didn't know what to do yeah and weren't necessarily strong or stable but stayed yeah yeah and sort of took either like everything on that spectrum from them just not understanding and being perplexed to the battering yeah 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 the people who just weren't afraid and actually in a weird way it feels like the people who stuck around are the ones who had always known that part of me it's just that it wasn't at the front before yeah so it's not like they were surprised yeah, <laughs> um, I have. Yeah, I have a really good friend who I'm still in touch with. Who we're so different, and he's so generally beautifully even-tempered, chilled, <laughs> and uh, gets excited by lovely things. And I think part of the reason he stayed around is because he always will have seen that sort of rage and fire yeah. and darkness, I suppose, in me. And it's just that it overtook my personality for however long and yeah. so it wasn't news it was just less fun maybe <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it actually what you've just described because I think that's my experience as well that people who knew how actually angry I was <laughs> were yeah. like yeah I mean there, there it is and the ones that did were a bit more like what's this <laughs> like this has always been here now it has a reason to be here so now it's justified anger like and mm. that's you know a whole different world how are you feeling coming up to 20 years with your mum? Honestly, I'm not sure I knew it was 20 years until uh, I did my homework yeah. uh, for this. Um, I hadn't really thought that it will take me into more death years than life years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I, as I've said, I need to do a lot of pro. I need to make a lot of progress regarding. I shouldn't use those terms. I would like to make. <laughs> yeah, a I was lot like, Michelle, you're, you're being quite harsh on yourself. <laughs> I gotta fix this, guys. Gotta do some six-hour stretch work on it, and it will be done yeah. by tomorrow. <laughs> I know um, that feeling. Like, it just takes time. It just takes time, and it's a very boring that that's the truth you know it, it would be great yeah. if the truth was not that <laughs> if like, oh don't worry you just read this one book and it's gone yeah. <laughs> oh wow great um, <laughs> yeah but- I feel like I feel like actually I'm going to be quite cross yeah. when, it, when I get there that I am not closer to 
being over it, which yeah. as you know, as you're saying, it's the it's absolutely the wrong terminology. But it's really it's really interesting how I think my healthy attitude towards death is quite linked to how I have and am processing my father's death. Yeah. But I think my mother is still on pause. Yeah, well, of course, because that makes so much sense because that was a shock, your mum's death. You have a first year, which is, no one does any processing in the first year. You're just like, Bleh. and then your dad dies. So like, they call it literally delayed grief. You know, like there's a term for it where it's like something happened that was so um, huge that you couldn't deal with it. And that might be like, oh, suddenly you had to move home or you lost your job or someone else died or a parent had dementia. Like something so big that the brain goes, okay, now we're dealing with this. So of course, I, I think that's, I think that's very understandable that it's, it's, it's gone to a place where it requires, you know, gentle coercion <laughs> yeah. to be like, okay, let's look in this box. We're just going to open the lid once. And I, I can really relate to that. When I hit 20 years, I think about 18, 19 years, I was like, ooh, don't think I'm okay. <laughs> and I had been okay for a long time. So it was a real shock because I was like, no, I'm like, okay, basically, I'm basically, okay. I basically kind of cried all, I've done all the crying and, you know. And then as I approached 20, I found 20, like, it was like a wrecking ball. It kind of came in and just, it seemed to just like bring everything back. And I was furious about that, Ishani. I was like, what, this, I've done this. <laughs> like, it's like someone going, oh, here's your GCSE exam again. You're like, no, I did it. You cannot make me do it again. That is not fair. And I raged again it against it for so long and then eventually when I was like I guess I just got to do it again it became it's so much easier you know it's the raging against the grief that's difficult actual grieving I think is actually that's what your body's asking you you know like it's the running away and the fighting and like no I should be okay I should be over it like all of that energy is yeah but it's of course totally understandable like I did exactly the same thing and obviously everyone's journey is very different and yours be very different. Um, but yeah, I, I felt really like miffed. Miffed. 20 years, really? Oh, come on. We still talking about it? <laughs> well, yeah. And especially I feel like I'm not really, as much as I go, oh, yes, I look back at 19-year-olds and see how tiny I was. I feel like the, the bit of me that still flashes going what are you making the big fuss about yes yes just yes it's just that the voice is quieter but it's like it's inhaling ready to go for its moment oh my god absolutely because that that's the logical explanation like logic is like well you were 19 and parents die so what's the big deal and like that's not how humans work as you know from being an emotional how you know how music affects us like you could be like it's just some notes why are you crying like but it's like there's a weird thing that happens and we know that it, we can't always explain it and I think that's the same with the 20 years it's like it shouldn't matter you should be over it like but they're all shoulds aren't they they're all shoulds like that's not the truth that's what I had to eventually resolve with it's like I can should all I like but the fact is I'm not over it I'm not okay like like and I yeah I went to therapy which obviously as you're saying you know you're I don't know if you're in or you're doing or you've done but in love it yeah love it love it love it it. yes for therapy yeah I I found that 
that re I mean I went to deal with the 20 years like that's definitely what the catalyst that drove me mm. and then most of the four years of therapy I had I, I'm I've stopped but you know I'm sure I'll start again at some point um was to kind of go okay now perhaps now you're ready to look back and go what what just happened and it mm. seems so crazy to me to look back it's like so far like it's so fresh you know you think it's so long ago why but there's still if there's still stuff you haven't processed or thought about then there's still things to do mm. I think it'll be quite interesting to see yeah to see what happens to me at 20 years because I've spent a lot of my time particularly with uh, particularly regarding the traits I've inherited from my father yeah just switching that into self-loathing <laughs> Uh, there's been some oh, I hear you, I hear you. <laughs> there's been some direct kind of um how dare you leave me with these flawed jeans and fuck off there's yeah. that yeah. uh but also just all the stuff that's the fact that I uh, uh me and depression are now like bezies that's definitely from that side um yeah. and so I've just ch- I have channeled a lot of hate at that but then over the years of therapy and time I've started to appreciate what that I don't know multifaceted chaos and I suppose he was a really he was a really loving really skilled talented man and I have little glimmers of that in me and I've come to appreciate that more and just his I think what was what he was really good at as a doctor was just that puzzle brain and being able to flex all the medical knowledge he had to apply it in weird ways yeah. to come up with come to really great conclusions for people and now that that's those things are I'm appreciating them more in me it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and slowly slowly I think the sort of the kindness and the uh loyalty and all those things that come from my mum uh, just having going through this process of oh I'm not all my father yeah I'm yeah. not all this kind of um full of skills storm cloud there's yeah. this other side I find those things much harder to love because I don't feel like I'm entitled to them and that's that's sort of where I am at the moment so it'll yeah. be interesting to see what 20 years brings how far through dealing with that thread I am yeah. by the time that hits but it's also it comes back to what we're talking about narrative and I can really relate to that of like the narrative you told yourself is like I am my father's daughter and all that crap that he had I've bloody got and he's not even here to bloody help me through it because like that's how I felt like I was the angry one I was the tempestuous one my mum and brother super calm super chill and oh great I've got lumbered with this and you haven't you didn't even fucking stick around to help me with it like (laughs) just like how dare you and then yeah sort of stepping back and being able as you said to allow a much more nuanced narrative which is I am not him I'm not him you know he had his flaws and his positives and his negative that's that was the whole person I equally have my own and I have this element which I recognize in him but that's not it doesn't define me it's not who I am there's like my allowing that you said like your mother's side in and and being like yeah that I am 50-50, 50-50, like, that is the mm. truth of it. But that requires you to be kind to yourself. And that's, I think, actually, it's quite an easy narrative to go down, is it, like, as a road of, like, oh, yeah, he was a bastard, and now I've got these other things. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of, like, trope down it because you've done it so many times. Like, here we go, down the road, and you land at self-loathing. 
<laughs> which is like yeah. sometimes you want to go there you know that's what you're looking yeah. for and to then I think that again takes time to be like oh there's actually lots of roads I could go down and one of the roads my therapist had said this to me because I'm such an extreme it's either all or nothing either I'm nothing like him or I'm, I'm basically him <laughs> she was like what if there's a middle road where like you know yeah you have some of his qualities but like you deal with them differently and sometimes you don't sometimes you do but you're aware of it because of the way you know like a reasonable road <laughs> <laughs> what yeah what um and that's been really I found that really helpful to just try and be like okay what well, yeah where am I heading towards like am I walking towards that self-loathing do I want to or do I want to walk towards a place of and it's not get over it like that's the thing it's not you're not walking towards that you're walking towards a place of like kindness and truth like you said the truth mm. of the situation actually is that you know they loved you and something's really perfect did. and something's weren't they did yeah they really mm. did but this is what happened but that's it's hard and it's not um it's not something you ever resolve I think that's what I've learned you know you never go oh done great <laughs> Brilliant. what should yes. we read next <laughs> it's like it's a constant process but yeah they sound they sound like they were deeply in love with each other and deeply in love with their children and that's at the end of the day that's all you've got isn't it that's that's it yeah despite everything I feel so lucky I say I feel so lucky to have been theirs yeah oh it's shiny (laughs) what a beautiful thing to say that is a beautiful thing and not everyone can say that and that is yeah that's really important to hold on to it's shiny thank you so much for talking to me about me thank you for talking to me it was so nice to remember them today. They sound like bloody legends. <laughs> they were. Wait, I'm not surprised. And they are. Yeah, they are, because you are. So that, that's not surprising. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You can find out more about Yashani Parapanayagam on yashani.co.uk and that is spelt Y-S-H-A-N-I.co.uk. Um, that's where all her gigs are and all the things that she's doing are you can also follow her on twitter at underscore yashani ishani it's pronounced but it's underscore y-s-h-a-n-i you can follow us on twitter and instagram at the Griefcast. you can pre-order my book you are not alone from the all good bookstores uh, the show was recorded remotely it was edited by kate holland the music's by the glue ensemble and artwork is provided by jade perkin and remember You are not alone.